I'll be reading from uh, Isaiah 9, 6, and 7. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and holding it, upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Thank you, Ryan. Good morning, church. Thank you, each and every one of you, for being here today, especially if you're visiting. I know Roy has several guests with him today, and others do as well. We thank you so much for being here today and coming our way. We also want to encourage all of uh, everyone uh, to be thinking about the Wild Game Supper coming up on February the 28th. There's sign-up lists in the foyer, and uh, I know sometimes we struggle with signing up, but if you would sign up for that, uh, it would be greatly appreciated. Uh, also, don't forget, men, about our men's retreat coming up on uh, March the 8th and 9th. Uh, so if, uh, if you plan on being uh, at that, I know there will be some sign-up lists for that as well. And so we want to encourage you to be uh, thinking about that. Also, I want to encourage you, we're, we're trying to get sign-ups to uh, take, retake our pictorial directory. So if you would please sign up, uh, that also will be greatly appreciated. And those dates are coming up uh, in the month of March to take those uh, pictures, uh, a couple of weeks there. And all that's arranged. So uh, we want all of you to take uh, to retake your picture if you can, especially those of you that, uh, that are new. So uh, please make sure you go back in the foyer after services or before any of our services and sign up for that, and we would greatly appreciate that. What is it you think that most people in the world today are searching for? Some people may answer that question and say, well, they're searching for happiness. Some may answer that question and say, well, people are, are searching for prosperity. Uh, others may say that they're looking for more time. However, if we really get down to where the rubber meets the road, with most people, they're actually looking for peace. We've just experienced the longest government shutdown on record. And no matter how you feel about that or where you stand, the reality is this brought a lot of unrest in the lives of many people, didn't it? If you've watched the news, you realize that we've just passed the one-year anniversary of the school shooting at Stoneman Douglas High School in Parkland, Florida, which is just outside of Coral Springs, by the way, where several of us were able to go last summer on our mission trip. And that affected many families, even our nation to some degree. We are experiencing a time when our government and our nation are greatly divided on many subjects and most of these, or several of these subjects are critical to our future. We've experienced war. We've experienced bombing of buildings. We've experienced an unsettled economy. We've experienced and seen massive storms across our nation. We've experienced and seen even massive firestorms out in California and other areas. And we see how these things affect people. All of these cause people to be uneasy and fearful. 
It causes people to have a lack of peace, you see. But here's the reality of it all. None of that is new. None of what we're experiencing today is new. In fact, the writer of Ecclesiastes says there's nothing new under the sun. We can look back in history and we can see evidence of some of these very things or, or similar things like that. We can even look back in the Old Testament and, and see things that are happening very similar to this. These things have been happening for centuries in all cultures in all parts of the world. When Isaiah is writing Isaiah chapter 9, or actually the whole book, he's writing in a time of Israel's history known as the Assyrian crisis. It was a time of division among God's people. I want you to notice this map here on the screen. You remember studying about the division of God's people, of the Israelites. Uh, how they uh, split into the northern kingdom, which was Israel, and the southern kingdom, which was Judah. And Isaiah is primarily writing to Judah, and you notice there on the map that Jerusalem is a part of Judah. And he's writing to Judah, King or Ahaz is king of Judah at this time, and he had become fearful because the northern kingdom and Assyria, they had created this alliance. And so King Ahaz, he had become fearful. And so the Lord sent word to Isaiah in chapter 7 and verse 4, telling him to tell Ahaz, Take heed and be quiet. Do not fear or be faint-hearted for these two stubs of smoking firebrands. God had told Isaiah to tell Ahaz in chapter 7 and verse 7, These things will not stand. Ahaz should have listened to what Isaiah told him. But he didn't. You see, Ahaz, he came up with his own plan of defense. He decided to go to the Assyrians and, and, and come up with his own alliance and, and to pay the Assyrians to go and to begin attacking the northern kingdom and Syria. And they did. But you see, the plan backfired on Ahaz. Because he had failed to follow what God had told him. You see, the Assyrians, not only did they attack Syria and the northern kingdom, but they began coming down into the southern kingdom and attacking Judah and Jerusalem. And as a result, God punished both kingdoms. And so Isaiah writes in chapter 9 that the gloom of this attack, the, the, the darkness over what is about to take place, it will not last forever. There will be the birth of a new light. He says, darkness will be play, replaced by light. And God would have a nation of people ruled by the perfect king. And notice what he says there in Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 6. For unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. And, a, and the government will be upon his shoulder and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father. Here it is. Prince of Peace. Most scholars have, cons have considered uh, Isaiah's message here as a messianic prophecy of the coming of Jesus, the Messiah, the King of Kings, and the Prince of Peace. Peace. 
Notice what someone said about peace. Peace characterizes the reign of the Messiah. If you ask most people what peace would be, it would be the the absence of war, right? The absence of conflict. Everything still and everything working out. But as this person says, peace really characterizes the reign of the Messiah. The concept of peace in the Old Testament is very rich in significance. Walter Kaiser said, Shalom, the word for peace, is more than just peace. It comes from the root meaning to be whole. And hence speaks of wholeness, soundness, health, and well-being. Someone else also said, peace is not the absence of trouble, but it is the presence of God. So why is it important to connect with Jesus, the Prince of Peace? Well, I want us to notice three things this morning. Three reasons why it's important that we connect to Jesus as the Prince of Peace. Number one, in the first place, Jesus is the King and the Prince of Peace, not chaos. What would you say would be the answer to the chaos of our world? We look around and we see all the chaos. If you were to give the answer to the chaos of the world, what would your answer be? You see, the reality is that most people in the world, they view God as anything other than the God of peace. You see, some people might even look back in the Old Testament and say, see, God is not the God of peace. There were times where He, he told His people to, uh, to utterly destroy other nations. You see, that's not a God of peace. But the reality is when we look through all of Scripture, we see the God of peace. And you see what most people miss, uh, the point that they miss about God is that God is loving. God is merciful. God is peaceful. When we seek to live the way He has asked us to live, we can have peace. All throughout Scripture, He's given the path of peace and allowed us to make our choice for peace or the path of of the flesh. Turn your Bibles, if you will, to the book of Galatians chapter 5. Becoming one of my favorite scriptures, passages of scripture. Paul writes here, and he's, he's talking about the choice of peace versus the choice of the path of the flesh. And I want you to notice, it's a very familiar passage, but I want us to read through this thinking, because he, he mentions in here peace, but thinking about this idea of connecting with Jesus as the Prince of Peace. Paul says, I say then, walk in the Spirit. A choice. And you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the Spirit and the Spirit against the flesh. And these two are contrary to one another. So that you do not do the things that you wish. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh, they're evident. Which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murderers, drunkenness, revelries, and the like. 
of which I tell you beforehand, just as I also told you in time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Which if you just stop there, we can take from that that if we practice these things on a daily basis, in other words, they are a daily part of our life, there is no peace, right? Because outside the kingdom of God, there is no peace. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. You see, when we choose to walk in the Spirit through our own submission to Christ, we are guided then in the path of peace. However, when we make the choice to walk in the flesh, to practice the things of the flesh, notice I'm talking about practicing. I'm not saying that we don't struggle with those things. I'm not saying that sometimes we don't uh, slip up and are involved in some of those things. What I'm saying is that they practice. That's an everyday practice. These things are everyday a part of our lives. When we do that, the hopelessness, the unrest that comes from that results in our choice. Our choice of choosing the path of the flesh and Satan then working in our life. Paul would remind us, as he did the Corinthian Christians in 1 Corinthians 14.33, God is not the God of confusion, but of peace. You see, where does all the confusion come from? It comes from Satan, the father of lies, the father of deception. It comes from the, the flesh, from those who walk in the flesh. That's where the confusion comes from. But the Bible clearly tells us God is the God of peace. So Jesus, the reason we should connect to Jesus as the Prince of Peace, uh, because He's the Prince of Peace and not Chaos. But it was also His mission to bring peace into the world. Do you remember back in the book of Luke chapter 2? You see, Isaiah, he prophesied about the coming Prince of Peace. In Luke chapter 2, Luke records the announcement of the Prince of Peace. The Messiah. The Christ being born into the world. And do you remember what Luke says the shepherds witnessed as the angel made the announcement to them about Jesus being born? The Bible says that there was this multi, a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, listen to them, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace. And goodwill toward men. Why is that? Why was the announcement of peace to these shepherds? Because Jesus Christ, the Prince of Peace, had been born into the world. He had brought peace into the world. Someone has said, God longs to transform our chaotic and hateful world into a world filled with His peace and love. One of the greatest chapters in all of Scripture is in prophesying about Jesus. 
Not only Isaiah chapter 9, but also Isaiah chapter 53. And do you remember what Isaiah said about the coming Savior and its connection with peace? Isaiah 53 and verse 5, the Bible says, But He was wounded for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon Him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with His stripes, we are healed. Michael mentioned about that, that song and thinking about the words of that song and can it be? Think about the words of this scripture in addition to the words of that song. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And by his stripes we are healed. Aren't you glad that he came? Aren't you glad that the Savior came into this world and by His stripes we can receive peace and we can be healed? I am. I'm thankful that Jesus brought peace into the world. I'm thankful that He died so through Him we can have peace in this life and in eternity. And then finally today, why, should, why is it important that we connect to Jesus, the Prince of Peace? And when we talk about connecting, we're talking about being in Jesus Christ. Making Him a part of your life. Because without Him, He's reminding us. Seriously though, hear me. Without Him, there is no peace. No peace. You see, mankind has been seeking peace in many ways, in many places, and in many things forever. Since the beginning of time. Mankind has sought peace in all kinds of ways, all kinds of things, in all kinds of places. If I can just be here, if I can just do that, if I can just have this, then I'll be at peace and I'll be happy. Do you remember back in the Garden of Eden that we read about in Genesis chapter 3? Do you remember how Satan began tempting man to follow the path of the flesh? John lets us in on a little secret, you see. John lets us in on a secret and he tells us this is the way Satan tries to tempt us and lure us away from the path of peace. Notice what he says, 1 John chapter 2 and verse 16. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes. Brother Donnie spoke, talked about it in, a, in our Wednesday night class a few weeks ago. The pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And that's where Satan attacks us. That's where Satan appeals to us. That's where Satan lures us. And let us not forget... Who is it Satan's really trying to lure? It's those that are trying to follow the Lord. 
He doesn't need those outside of Christ. He already has them, you see. And John goes on and he says, and the world is passing away. And the lust of it, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life. But he who does the will of God abides forever. You see, Satan has been hard at work since Genesis chapter 3 trying to lure mankind away from peace. He may be there right now speaking in your ear, trying to lure you away from what's really peace. Don't listen to that guy. Don't listen to that bald-headed guy. He don't know anything about Jesus. You know what? I may not. But God does. And that's where the Word comes from. You see, think about it for a minute. Just think about it. Has there ever been a time when anyone that has lived that they have received true peace by following the lust of the flesh? In other words, just do whatever feels good to you and that's going to bring you peace. Has anybody that's ever lived lived in true peace by saying, uh, I'm just going to live by the lust of the eyes. If you see it, just take it. Has anyone that's ever lived, lived in true peace by following the pride of life? I'm right and everyone else is wrong. And if you don't like it, get out of my life. And you see, the reality to those questions is no. We know that. The reality is in a world of chaos, of materialism, of meism, of pride, of war, and so many other things that promise peace but never deliver, true peace will only come through Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Notice what Paul says in Romans chapter 5 and verse 1. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God. How? Connecting to the Prince of Peace through our Lord Jesus Christ. To the Ephesians, he writes in chapter 2 and verse 14, For He Himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in His flesh the dividing wall of hostility. Paul says in Philippians chapter 4, Do not be anxious about anything, But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the God of peace, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Just this morning in our class, we've been studying the book of Ecclesiastes. In chapter uh, chapter 8 of Ecclesiastes, notice what the writer says. Though a sinner does evil a hundred times... And his days are prolonged, yet I surely know that it will be well with those who fear God and who fear before Him. Solomon, the wisest man of all time, said, Listen, yeah, we can look out there and it seems like the sinner, their days are prolonged, good things happen to them. But here's the reality. The sun shines on the just and the unjust. The New Testament would say, the rain falls on the just and the unjust. 
But true peace, even Solomon would say, comes from the one who fears God. Comes from the one who would walk with the Prince of Peace. There's a story of a man who sought the picture of perfect peace. And so he decided to create this contest to have artists all across the land to paint pictures of what they thought was the best picture of perfect peace. And so Ian flooded the pictures, left and right, pictures of all kinds. And he began to unveil the pictures and all of them were judged. And they came down to just two pictures. These were the two pictures that when when you looked at them that that maybe you thought this was the picture of perfect peace. And this was going to be the winner from these two. And so the curtain was pulled off the first one. And a hush fell over the crowd. You see, this was the picture. It was a picture of a smooth lake Reflecting the green bushes and trees. Under the soft blush of the evening sky. Along the grassy shore, a flock of sheep gazed undisturbed. Surely this was the winner, right? But the man who had this vision, he came down from where he was and he took the covering off the second painting. Could this one be the picture of perfect peace? Here's the picture. There's a tumultuous waterfall cascading down a rocky side. The crowd could almost feel its cold, penetrating spray. Stormy gray clouds threaten of thunder and lightning and wind and rain. In the midst of the thundering noise and the bitter chill, there was a small tree coming out of a crack in the rock right beside the waterfall. One of its branches reached out at the edge of the waterfall. And in the edge of that branch, a little bird had built a nest. Content and undisturbed in her stormy surroundings, she rested on her eggs with her eyes closed and her wings ready to cover her little ones. She manifested peace that transcended all earthly turmoil. Which picture do you think won the contest? You see, it was the second one. Because, as the man explained, peace does not mean to be in a place where there's no noise, there's no trouble, there's no hard work. Peace means to be in the midst of all of those things and still be calm in your heart. That is the real meaning of peace. Let me just say something as we wrap up. You know, sometimes you are doing things in life and things come to your mind. And recently that happened to me and I realized that no matter what it is that we do in this crazy chaotic life, young people hear me, No matter what career is that you choose,
We need to rise above the standards of the world. You see, the reality is it's not just about young people. The reality is it's about every one of us. Whatever career that we are in, we need to rise above what the, the world has as the standard. We need to rise above that because the standards of the world, if you live by them, guess what? They do not bring peace. We see it all across our land. You think it's money? Just look in the news. Some of the most unhappiest people, some of the most least peaceful people have tons and tons of money and things. So whatever, wherever your family is, in your home, with your family, rise above the standards of the world. Out in the community, rise above the standards of the world. In your schools, young people, rise above the standards of the world. And in our church family, we need to rise above the standard of the world and seek to glorify God in whatever it is we do. Because it's not about my flesh being happy, is it? Because that's what the standard of the world would say. The lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. But you see, Paul said, the God of peace will give peace that surpasses all understanding. So this is how we connect with the Prince of Peace. By submitting to Him, having a relationship with Him daily, and seeking to glorify Him in all that we do. And that is where we live in perfect peace, in the middle of chaos. It's walking with the Prince of Peace. Do you walk with Him today? Have you submitted your life to Him? Saying, I want to have a relationship with you, Jesus, the Prince of Peace. And being buried in that watery grave of baptism to rise in newness life, to say, you know what? In a similar way, like a couple does at a wedding, you know what? I'm choosing you over anybody else. Have you done that? If you haven't, it's our prayer that you will. Maybe you're here today and you realize... Maybe you've given your life to Jesus, but you're still not in peace. Because there's still that standard of the world that we haven't risen above yet. And as in the parable of the sowers, maybe Satan is throwing so many distractions and so many things in your life that it's pulling on you every which way and you can't have peace. And maybe you need to lay that at the foot of the throne of God today. Maybe it is. You just have a, some struggles going on in your life. And you need to ask for the prayers of the church. We want you to know, whatever your reasoning is today, if you need our prayers, we stand here with you with open arms saying we love you. We're not perfect, but we're trying to help each other by submitting to Jesus to enjoy peace on this earth and peace in the next life. As together we stand and sing.